Welcome to the Arts and Learning Conservatory monthly masterclass series, where we invite industry professionals to share their knowledge and make artistic learning more accessible. If you'd like to learn more or sign up to join our next masterclass live, please visit us at artsandlearning.org. So I'd like to kind of, uh, I kind of start getting a, a little bit of info from you guys. Um, I kind of wanted to get just a, a rough idea of what you guys are trying to record or why you are interested in recording. So I can kind of uh, tailor some of what we're talking about today. So if you guys wouldn't mind, maybe even just in the chat, kind of uh, just letting me know what your interest was or where that started. Uh, that'll kind of help me out. Whether it's music. Uh, I, I, could, I could start. Yeah, yeah, sure. Can you hear Thank me okay? You. I yeah, hi. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jeff Jones. Um, I just, uh, I'm a music teacher also, and I just really lack recording skills. Uh, my okay. colleagues, uh, I, I taught at Santa Ana College for 30 years, and my colleagues are all, you know, hip to it, and I just never, you know, got into it. So awesome. I just want to get some basic stuff. Awesome. Perfect. You're in the right place then. Cool. And uh, thank you for teaching uh, music for 30 years. That's so awesome. Yeah, I retired from there in June. Wow. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Anybody else? What, who else? What do we? Who else is? What do we got going on here? Jeff. Other Jeff. Jeff Weaver. What are we here for? Typing it in. Uh, just haven't seen you guys in a while. Um, <laughs> thought I'd figure up what you've been up to since the print screening days. So, um, also, you know, I used to play in a band, uh, didn't do a lot of the recording myself, but so I'm curious to learn what maybe the process is like maybe cool. for something in the future. Cool. <clears throat> awesome. And Jim, you were telling me that you wanted to start some recordings, right? I, I know. Yeah. Uh, your yeah, so that you, you play guitar and stuff, right? Right. I play guitar, a little ukulele. Um, I, I've dabbled in some songwriting, and uh, both of my daughters play instruments and stuff. Uh, awesome. Kind of toyed with the idea of doing some recording at home. Um, one of the girls plays the trumpet, and then the other one plays the flute and bass and guitar and piano, a little bit of everything. So, uh, yeah, just kind of – I don't really have any recording experience, though, so – just that's uh, about it. Awesome. This class is for uh, people with absolutely no idea. I'm trying to remember what it was like for me when I first started trying to get into this and all of the things that made no, absolutely no sense to me. And hopefully I can make sense of those things uh, today, just getting everyone into it a little bit. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. Um, anyone else? Uh, Joan or Kathy, what are you guys here for? Joan? Um, actually, my name is Aaron. I just don't know how to change it. Oh, okay. I was um, trying to remember that. <laughs> Aaron, I can change it for you. How do you spell it? E-R-I-N. There we go. Um, ah, awesome. Okay. And um, I'm just here because I don't really, like, I want it, my recordings to be, like, the best quality possible. And I want to, like, it's like, I'm not quite sure exactly how to do the recordings, so... I want to be able to make it the best it can possibly be. Okay, awesome. And what about Kathy? Um, my name's Simone, but I also don't know how to change it. Oh, okay. Can you spell your name? 
S-I-M-O-N-E. There we go. And I like to sing, so I've always wanted to, like, know how to kind of set up recording and do all that stuff. I've never really known how, so that's why I took this class. Awesome. All right, and uh, how about Dennis? What are we here for? What are our main interests in getting into recording? Um, just learn how to use the software better. Uh, okay. Workflow. Okay. So this class is going to be a lot about uh, basic equipment and stuff. I don't have a lot of material on specific softwares, but I can try and help you through some of that. Um, and we can get to some questions on some workflow things. I can kind of share with, with you what I do um, workflow-wise. I think the workflow changes a lot depending on what software we use. So I will be talking about some different softwares and maybe a little bit about their workflows for sure. All right. Um, what do you think, Mr. Lowe? Should we go ahead and get started? Yeah, let's just go ahead and get started. So everybody, welcome um, to our master classes, uh, pretty much beginning home studio recording for voice and instruments. So thank you, everybody, for showing up. Um, Sean has a PDF that is in the chat right now. If you cannot open it up or download it, make sure you can download it. You can. You don't have to view it now, but this is what Sean is going to be going through um, throughout this whole meeting. Um, again, thank you guys for joining us. If you guys have any questions or anything, feel free to you know, raise your hand or anything. Um, you can send it in the chat. Um, and without further ado, Sean, go ahead and get started. All right. So I've... Uh... I've kind of learned a little bit about what you guys are here for. I'm going to just share briefly why I got into recording. Um, I primarily was a trumpet player and a drummer, and I played drums in a metal band. And we decided to, re you know, we had to go through the recording process a couple times with other people. And um, I just wasn't ever quite happy with the results and or the amount of time that I could uh, spend with my project. I really wanted to, I felt like I really wanted to do it myself. And that way I would really understand the process um, and be able to take as much time with it as I wanted. So I uh, ended up investing years and years and countless dollars on uh, recording equipment and all of that down the rabbit hole, as I would say. And, um, and here we are. So um, that's why I got into it. I think it's really improved my musicianship as well. So if you are a musician or a singer, of course, we're all pretty probably musicians. Um, it's a great way to improve just your overall musicianship as well, because you're constantly recording yourself and you constantly get to critique yourself and hear yourself. Um, so it's really good for us on multiple levels, not to mention it's a lot of fun to be able to make your own music and save your own songs. And, um, you know, maybe you can send someone a happy birthday song for their birthday and everything during quarantine and who knows what else we can use it for. So. I'm going to go ahead and jump straight into the guideline that I kind of made. So I'm going to share my screen. If you guys want to open it on your own, you can. It's the PDF that's in the chat. But I will be sharing it on my screen and kind of walking you guys through it. All right. So um, one thing is it will really help at some points of this class to have headphones. Um, if you guys can get some headphones, if you have access to headphones, that would probably help because I'm going to give you guys some video uh, examples with audio clips and stuff that will be a little bit hard to hear over computer speakers. Um, all right, so 
get let's get right into it. Um, a lot of this is going to be kind of gear centric uh, at first, uh, just so you guys can kind of understand all of the pieces that go into creating a little studio for ourselves. I remember being really confused when I first started out with how do you get a microphone into the computer? Uh, and that's what I want to make sure we all understand today is how we're going to get our signal through uh, from start to finish. All right, so I'm just going to kind of read over these things. Um, and then we'll go into more depth about each one of these pieces of gear as we go. So audio interfaces. Uh, audio interfaces are basically like our sound card, and that's what allows us to plug a microphone in. We're going to plug it into the interface, and then the interface goes into our computer and translates all that data into digital data. Then we're going to talk a little bit about computers because computers are super important in our recording process these days. Uh, MIDI controllers. Uh, we'll talk about what MIDI is and what what controllers do um, software. We're going to talk about DAWs, which is a digital audio workstation. Um, that's our, just our software microphones. Of course, are a very important part speakers and headphones will cover. We'll talk a little bit about cables. I don't want to talk a lot about cables, but you do need to know some basics about what cables you'll need and then plugins, which are some additional pieces of software um, that we'll kind of talk about briefly as well. All right. So, Let's dig into the first one, interfaces. Um, so an audio interface, like I already said, is basically like a fancy external sound card for our computer that's going to allow our microphone to communicate with the computer. Um, it has preamps in it. So you might also hear people call them preamps. Um, and these preamps are what boosts the signal and what actually provides power to the signal so that... Uh, we can hear it's coming through the microphone, okay? Um, also, these interfaces will allow you to plug in MIDI devices. Now, if you don't know what a MIDI device is, we're gonna cover that in just a little bit. Just kinda know that you're gonna be plugging all of your instruments, your guitars, your microphones, your MIDI controllers, anything that makes the sound possible into one of these interfaces. So I'm scrolling down a little bit to, just I'm gonna look at, these are a couple examples of smaller interfaces. So. We're going to cover some other ways to record yourselves, too, if you're not trying to buy an interface. But I highly recommend investing the money in a little interface like this. And I've put prices and stuff later on in uh, the class. We can talk about all of that, too. They're really not that expensive. We're talking 100 bucks um, to get you a, a nice sound card that gets you, you know, good quality sound directly into your computer. So these are both, uh, well, this is a PreSonus. And just kind of get yourself familiar with some of these brands and focus right and they make a lot of different little devices but you'll see these are the inputs here this one has two inputs this one has four so the more inputs the more microphones or more instruments you can plug in at the same time uh, they make them all the way up to eight input or input rather eight input and larger obviously the more inputs they get slightly more expensive this one right here is the one that I have the Focusrite Sapphire Pro 40 um, and that has eight inputs. There's only two on the front. The rest are on the back. So if you're confused why you don't see eight inputs, some of them will have them all on the front. But basically, that allows me to plug eight microphones or eight instruments into my computer all at once and record them simultaneously. So basically, the way we used to do this was a giant, big mixing console. Um, 
you know, called a mixing a mixing board or a mixing desk, a mixer. And now we just have it in software like this. So it all just gets routed into software. You still have all these little faders, uh, just like you would on this big old mixing console. But now it's all done in the computer, what we call in the box. So if you hear people referring to in the box, that just means in the software. Um, I do want to briefly mention Phantom Power. We're going to talk about it again later. Phantom Power was always kind of a mysterious thing to me at first. Phantom Power is an option that you get to click on your interfaces. So if I go back up here, you'll see somewhere on these interfaces they have, this one has it right here, this little blue button. It says 48 volts, and that's your phantom power. Some types of microphones require phantom power, just needs extra power. So that's your 48 volts of power right there. Um, so we'll talk more about that later, but that is kind of an integral thing about interfaces. All right, we're going to go on to... And I'm going to try and get through this kind of quickly, guys. So I apologize if I'm going a little fast. Let me know if you guys have questions and stuff. Maybe Mr. Lovell can help me uh, monitor hands and stuff like that because I am kind of can only see some of you guys here. There we go. Let's see more of you guys. Um, so computers. I want to talk a little bit about what's important in a computer um, and where to spend your money because I feel like for me... Um, when I first started out, I didn't know what was important, uh, and I, you know, didn't want to spend too much money. But the computer is really your most important tool. Um, so, these are the four main things I think are important: is the CPU, which is our processing power or our processor; RAM, which for those of us that may not be familiar, which is just what we call random access memory. So it means it's just storing memory temporarily. So it's just memory for whatever programs are open at the time, or plugins, for example, anything that you're using on the computer while it's running, while the programs are open. And then ports, those are really important. Um, a lot of ports, and like we lost our CD drives on laptops, you know, we don't have those anymore. Um, some laptops don't even have very many USB ports anymore. So we do wanna kinda talk about what ports we'll need, and then hard drives. Uh, obviously, our storage. So I hope this isn't too techy. I just want to make sure I kind of cover what's important. Um, so the CPU, they basically come in like i3s, i5s, i7s, and so on like that, or more cores or less cores. Um, so I find that an i7 processor is about the minimum that I would really like. I actually use an i5 on one of my laptops, and it works okay for me if I'm not doing too much. Um, so I would stick with the i7 if you can on your computer. But if you don't want to buy a computer and you have an i5 or even an i3, go ahead and try and get started with it. It'll get you through for now. You can always upgrade your computer later, of course. Um, your RAM, so your random access memory, I find you want to have at least 8 gigs of RAM. Most computers, that's expandable. So you can expand the RAM. It's not too hard um, to do, especially if it's not a Mac. We're going to talk a little bit about Mac versus PC in a second, too. Um, ports. Okay, so ports are what we, what we use to plug in stuff. So our interfaces are going to use different types of connectors to plug into our computers. The most important thing is that you just be aware of what port your computer needs. Okay, um, 
or what port your interface needs rather. So USB has gotten a lot better. USB 3.0 actually works just fine. Um, Thunderbolt is an, a Mac um, connectivity that works really well. And Firewire is PC. Also, Mac has Firewire, and that's a little bit faster and more stable, too, sometimes. So just be aware there's different types of Firewire cables out there, too. So be sure that when you're looking into interfaces that you check which Firewire or which connectivity it has. All right. Okay, moving on down. Going to talk a little bit about hard drives. So a lot of people don't know the difference between a solid-state hard drive and a regular hard drive. Um, so I want to talk about that just briefly. So a regular hard drive has a spinning disk in it. And that's the thing that wears out over time. Uh, one of those will last you maybe about five years, hopefully, um, before you have to replace it. And when we're working with audio, it's your life's work that we're talking about saving here. Um, if I lost my hard drive, it would be such a catastrophe to me. <laughs> um, so we really want to put our, our work on something that's going to be safe. The advantage of an SSD, which is a solid state drive as opposed to our regular hard drive, is there's no moving parts. They're a lot more durable and they're a lot faster. Uh, so I can actually run my sessions off of this external hard drive without there being any lag or problems. If you try to run a recording software session off of a regular hard drive, external hard drive, you may run into some lag and issues. Um, so solid state drives are the way to go. They're a lot smaller. I tried to make this kind of like real size. I actually have both of these. Um, grab it. So I actually have, well, I had the other one here somewhere. Actually, I don't know where it is, but these are the real size uh, of these hard drives. This little SanDisk one is a solid state drive and the bigger Western Digital WD one um, is a regular hard drive. Uh, I highly recommend getting a solid state drive. They're just so much more reliable and faster. They are more expensive, but like I said, we're talking about saving all of your you know, hard work and ideas. Um, so very valuable. All right, moving on down, um, just so you guys know, Glyph drives are also a industry standard hard drive. So if you're looking at a music store, they're going to carry these Glyph drives. Um, they're nice and quiet, and they, they're really reliable and fast. Oops. There we go. Uh, so we got they're very reliable, and their data transfer is actually quite fast for it being a standard hard drive and not a solid state drive. So my overall thoughts on computers for you guys, you don't have to buy a Mac. Um, a lot of people will have this uh, notion that you have to use Mac to do audio stuff. Um, in fact, a lot of the studios, they just build their own PCs. As long as you know what you're doing, you can build the same computer in a PC form for a lot less money as what you're buying in the Mac. Another concern I've heard people have with buying PCs as opposed to Macs is viruses. Um, I use both. I have an eight-core Mac tower that I use in my bedroom, 
and I use my little Acer gaming laptop for a mobile studio, and it honestly works fine. I haven't had any problems with either, really, so use what you can um, and what's affordable for you. Just know you don't have to buy a Mac. I also do like the Macs. I'm not an anti-Mac person by any means. Um, so, uh, and then go for the solid-state drive. All right, we're going to move on to MIDI controllers. So, uh, MIDI to me was really like a mystery. I didn't know what that even meant. What is MIDI? So, MIDI is stands for Musical Instrument Digital Interface. Um, so, it lets us do a lot of wonderful things. And you guys are going to love working with MIDI stuff. It's a great way to produce music if you're a songwriter um, and all kinds of stuff. So, basically... MIDI controllers come in lots of different forms. Um, and we're going to show you some more of those. But here's, a, here's like a, a general one. You'll see this little tiny keyboard. And it has little drum pads on the side. You can actually like finger drum and stuff like that. And they have knobs and stuff. You can actually assign those knobs in your software to do different things. Um, and it'll let you kind of do sweeping things or whatever you want to do, especially if you're working on like EDM tracks or something like that. Um, you get to use a real knob instead of having to click and drag little dots in your software, which I find completely uh, foreign when you're trying to make music. You're trying to do it by feel. It's nice to have these knobs and stuff. This is what the MIDI connection looks like. And then this right here is the little keyboard display with all those little dots. That's what the MIDI information looks like. So you'll have those dots and stuff that you get to kind of play around with. And I have a video here. That I'll show you in a second that kind of shows what the what that kind of looks like. Um, so here's some examples of MIDI controllers, obviously your keyboards. And I left the models for a lot of this equipment in here and kind of their pluses and uh, what they're good for. So you guys can kind of reference this uh, on your own as you go through trying to get gear. So obviously keyboards, there's drums, so electric drum sets. Those uh, are put in through MIDI. There's these little finger drumming modules. Um, there's these things called octopads or drum pads. This one's called the Roland SPD or octopad. It's like a drum set, but just in a pad form. That's through MIDI. Um, so here's this little video. Uh, I'm going to talk briefly about what it lets us do. It lets us quantize information to a grid. So what that means is quantize means fix basically. Um, so if we played something on the piano and it was kind of out of time and you just wanted to make it sound perfect, you just select all the notes and you say quantize and then it makes it perfect. So that's uh, something a lot of music producers uh, use to save a lot of time. The problem with that is everything you make comes out sounding very robotic and perfect. So to some of us musicians, we don't necessarily want that all the time. But if you are trying to record something quickly or just want it to sound perfect, maybe that's what you're going for, uh, quantizing is a great thing. So it lets us move notes around, too. So say you are playing something on the piano and you're, you played one wrong note. If you were to record that on a real piano, the whole take would be you'd have to throw it away and start over. With MIDI, you actually get to move that note up to where the right note is. And it lets you save the take. So that's a really great thing about MIDI. Um, you can add or remove notes and then you can also 
reassign voices. So say you recorded something on the keyboard as a piano and you didn't like that piano later, you just switch it over to a synthesizer or a bass or whatever else you want and you just get to change the instrument just like that. So that's a really cool thing for producing music as well. So I'm gonna play this video really quickly just so you can kind of see the MIDI move around. Oh, maybe it won't let me from here. Let me go to here. Can you guys, Edwin, can you see? Can you see that? Okay, Mr. Lobo, or is that not no, all being... All we see is a PDF right now. Okay, new share. I'm going to go to my notebook so you guys can see that. Can you see it now? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Here's the video. Sean, on the, the video there, we, we don't hear any sounds, so make sure you click on the Ah, uh, I got you. I'm sorry. Audio engineer problems, you know? All right. There we go. Let's try that one more time. Is going to be represented as these small blocks. Each of these blocks is a note on a keyboard. I can left click and drag to select these. And then after I have selected those, I can drag them up. I can change their location and their playback. So I can change their root notes and play around with them a little bit in order to control how it is that they actually play back through the virtual instrument that I have assigned to this instrument track. Now, dragging these notes around is all well and good, and I can use that to fix some things. But what if I want to potentially fix some issues with my performance? automatically what if maybe my timing was off or something like that and let's take a look at the quantize function for that and that's noted by the Q button that you see right here when I click on Q for quantize quantize is going to allow me to snap these notes up against certain grid settings and based on certain note values that I set for these notes and in the quantize settings so I have a number of quantize settings you want to experiment with these a little bit I can quantize to whole notes and half notes quarter notes I can also set the quantize value that I'm going to be using in the pull down menu right here, quantizing again to whole, half, quarter notes, eighths, sixteenths, thirty seconds. And it's so basically, you kind of just get to see. I don't want to let this play too long, but you can watch this video, any of these videos. Uh, hopefully, you should be able to click on them and actually watch them uh, in what we sent you. If that doesn't work, I'll make sure to send you guys my notebook. I did this in OneNote, and those have the actual links. So maybe we can send that out as well to you guys after this class. Um, all right, so that's what it looks like when you're working with the MIDI. Uh, let's go back out here. I left some examples down here of some uh, affordable MIDI controllers. And now we're going to move on to the DAWs. I know this is a lot of information, guys. So again, I'm just going to try and kind of get you guys through the, the basics of all this. It's going to take you guys some time to digest this, but hopefully... You guys will be able to get something. Um, so DAWs, again, are our softwares that we're going to use. stands for Digital Audio Workstations. And I did some research on some free ones. Now, I haven't personally used Waveform or Cakewalk, uh, but these were some of the most popular ones in the audio uh, community that I found people liked. I went ahead and put their pros and cons from the research that I did uh, right here next to them. And I'll let you guys kind of dig through that on your own. I don't want to talk too much about them, especially since I don't really use them. 
I do use Pro Tools, and Pro Tools First is just the free version of Pro Tools. Now, the best part about using that one would be um, that it is an intro into Pro Tools, which is an industry standard software. So if you think you're going to get more into this, it's a good place to start. Um, but it is not the most user-friendly software, okay? Um, so just know that. But once you learn one of these programs, it gets a lot easier to learn the next one because they all work kind of the same way and all sort of have a similar uh, workflow like I was talking to Dennis about earlier. Um, the workflows will change a bit, though. I'll tell you, I like to use Pro Tools mostly for when I am either tracking a session, so actually recording something, or when I'm mixing something because I like the way I'm able to edit audio and move it around in Pro Tools. Um, Ableton is the other software that I really like. Ableton is most famously used for like electronic music producers. I use it for everything else as well. I don't really make that much EDM or anything like that. Um, but it has a lot of features that are kind of aimed at electronic music production. Um, and this Ableton 10 Lite is just the free version of Ableton. Now, I will mention that on Pro Tools first, you're limited to eight track, or sorry, 16 tracks. So you can only use 16 tracks in whatever you're working on. If you're just going to be recording some stuff at home, 16 tracks will probably get you most of the way. Ableton 10 Lite is limited to eight tracks. All right, moving on down. These are just the kind of the rundown on the pro versions of the DAWs, um, Ableton 10, Pro Tools, and Logic. So real quickly, uh, I already kind of told you why I like Ableton. Uh, I really like Ableton, the pro version, because it has a lot of onboard stuff. You don't have to get extra things, and those things in the software work really well and save you a lot of CPU. If you're recording vocals and stuff, Aaron, and all of my singers out there, you're going to be recording vocals. You're going to want to be throwing like reverbs and all kinds of effects on it. Those things add up in your CPU power and can slow you down and make it almost an unenjoyable to be recording music at all. Okay. <laughs> uh, so in Ableton, those effects and stuff, they're part of the built-in program. And the way they've made it work, it just works smoothly and does not bog you down. Um, I already talked about Pro Tools. Logic X is the new uh, Apple only. So you can only use Logic in Apple, but it's a great program as well. And it's cheaper for a Pro version. It's only $200 for the full software, which is really affordable. I see Dennis, I see Dennis making the face like, yeah, that's not too bad. Um, because Pro Tools first, or, I mean, sorry, Pro Tools rather, the Pro version, that's going to run you, I think, 500 bucks or so. Uh, and it's, it's or I think the last version you could get was like five hundred dollars. Now it's a subscription, uh, so I think it's like two hundred something dollars a year uh, for a subscription-based software. So anyway, um, that's the softwares, and we can talk more about that if we have questions later. I'm going to get on to the microphones. So Aaron and who else we got? Who was my other singer here? Uh, Simone. Yeah, that's right. So. We're going to talk a little about, about these microphones, and this will be most interesting to you guys, all right? To everybody, though, we're all, we all like microphones. This is like the part that recording uh, geeks really like. We like our microphones. Um, so there's different types of microphones, all right? Um, so I'm going to kind of go through them. Um, the first type of microphone I want to talk about is called a dynamic microphone. 
a dynamic microphone is the type of microphone we're going to put up close to something very loud. Um, and it doesn't pick up sound from very far away. So they're not very sensitive, in other words. Um, they're also very durable. Um, I've seen people hammer nails with this Shure SM57 right here. Uh, and it's not a problem. It's just a giant magnet. It doesn't, you can't hurt it. <laughs> Some of our other microphones are very, uh, very delicate, but these are not. Um, so these are my favorites right here. Um, these first two are large diaphragm dynamic microphones. What that means is our diaphragm is the size of the hole uh, that takes in the actual sound. All right, guys? So if you have a bigger diaphragm, we're going to get more low-end sound. Okay? And if you have a smaller diaphragm like our SM57 here, it's going to just get more of the mids to higher range sounds. Okay? Um, so for us males, if we're doing voiceovers or singing low stuff, we're going to want those large diaphragm dynamics. Or if we want to record a kick drum or a bass or anything like that. All right? Um, and you'll see this first one. I want you guys to look at this first one right here, the EVRE20. I know these all just have silly like number names and, and stuff that are hard to remember. But you're going to start to see people, you're going to recognize this microphone, and the next thing you know it, you're going to be pointing it out to everyone you know and driving them crazy. Mom, that's an RE20. All right? Because everybody for their radio and podcasts, anyone on the radio, this is what they use. For like the last, I don't know, forever, Basically, they've been using these RE20s to record their vocals uh, for everything. And you'll see these SM57s in every restaurant you go to. The little microphone that they use to call your number, it's just an SM57. Okay? <laughs> so you're going to start to see these everywhere. Um, so there aren't that many microphones, really, that you need to know. There's just a few, and once you kind of know them, you'll start seeing them everywhere. Um, so this Shure SM57 is a really great microphone to start with. I'm going to talk more about that later. It's only a hundred bucks. It's a hundred bucks, and you can record basically anything with it. Okay, and it's going to sound good. Um, all right, let's move on to the next type of microphones. This is our condenser microphone family. So condensers. Whoops, what did I do there? All right, condenser microphones are a lot more sensitive, and these are the microphones that require that phantom power I was talking about earlier, all right? So since they're so sensitive, they need extra power to be to take in all that extra sound. Uh, we have large diaphragm condensers and small diaphragm condensers, also known as pencil condensers. Um, man, I keep trying to move this out of my way, but I can't. Sorry about that. Get this back. All right. Um, Okay, so these are going to be great for vocals, girls. Um, these are what you're going to see most people use to record singing vocals. They're a lot more sensitive. They're going to get a higher frequency range, especially for my females. They're going to have a lot more highs, and maybe you want to catch that airiness in your tone or get the highest sound quality possible. You guys are going to want a condenser microphone, okay, a large diaphragm condenser microphone. Yeah. All right, and they're are some affordable options. They're a little bit more expensive than our SM57, um, but we'll talk about what some affordable options are a little bit later. Ribbon microphones um, are a lot more expensive and have a lot more limited usage. You're not going to want to be investing in one of these right away, but just so you know that they exist, they use a small ribbon, little piece of metal, 
that's been corrugated in between a little membrane, that's actually uh, what captures the sound. They're very delicate, um, but they do get a very, very nice sound. So check those out. They are a lot more expensive, though. But I would not start with one of those. Um, USB microphones. Now, this might be something you guys are looking at, all right? Uh, what microphones can I just plug straight into my computer, not have to worry about an interface, uh, just to kind of get sound right away. Now, my pre-warning about this is anyone I've ever tried to help get into recording has started with one of these USB microphones, uh, and then immediately, pretty much within the next few months, decided, I want to get an interface, and they just wasted the 80 bucks or whatever they spent on the USB microphone, uh, yeah, Mr. Lobo is giving me a thumbs up here. Um, and I tell everybody this. I do tell them this. Most people will still get the USB microphone, and that's fine. If that's what it takes to get you into it, start there. Don't let yourself get discouraged because I'm telling you that. But if you can just save up the extra 40 bucks uh, to put on top of that 80 bucks, you have 120 bucks or whatever, that's that's your interface right there. And there are recording equipment bundles of, you know, around 250, 300 bucks for everything that'll really get you started. So consider that. Okay. Now I'm going to go into these USB microphones. Um, Blue is a great brand. I like their microphones a lot. They make a lot of actual studio quality uh, microphones. So blue, you'll see these ball looking ones. Those are by blue. Um, anything by blue, chances are it's good quality. Um, Rode. I can't really can't really see this here, but Rode makes a lot of really industry standard equipment, and I think this is a Sure. You're going to see a lot of Samsons. They're all going to be about the same, okay? Um, they're just not going to be great, but they'll be okay. Um, so that's about it. I'll talk about some things you can do if you have a USB microphone. We're going to talk about how to treat your room here in a second. And that, I feel, it will make your experience with a USB microphone a little bit better. But just keep in mind, you may want to just skip that step. Now, these are also kind of a cool way to start your recording journey. These are portable handheld recorders. And in fact, this is where I started because I was always trying to record a band or a full room of musicians playing together and or, and or like my live gigs. Say I wanted to play a show and I wanted to get a good recording of it. Um, this is the cheapest, best way to do that. So some of you guys with kids, if you want to be recording their concerts at a high quality um, or just, you know, recording yourself playing a little bit, you're not really trying to put multiple instruments together or anything like that. These are an OK option. Um, and some of these actually even have inputs. You can plug other microphones into it as well, uh, which is kind of cool for portable recording. So Tascam and Zoom make good ones. Um, they come. There's so many different ones they're all going to be about the same, pretty decent. All right. All right. Um, this down here is a little insight into some things you might want to get with your microphone or make sure you get with your microphone if you're buying a microphone when you get started. Even a USB microphone, you're going to want these things. So a pop filter. A pop filter is this weird little screen thing that sits over in front of your microphone. And what that does is it acts as a screen, it gets rid of plosives. So like p, p sounds and um, s harsh S's, it's going to filter those things out. Um, so you'll see any vocalist 
using those things usually. So girls, you're going to really want to get a pop filter so you don't get all those nasty sounds that you don't want, okay? Uh, a shock mount. So you're going to see these crazy looking things look like little space, I don't know, alien landers or something um, that probably, hopefully come with your microphone. And all this does is keeps your microphone uh, suspended so that say something hits the microphone or there's vibrations in the floor, which there's always vibrations in our floor. And most recording studios go through great lengths to isolate their ground from the actual ground. They put all these like rubber layers and things in between the cement to actually stop them. And they'll actually drill uh, like holes in the ground all the way around their building <laughs> so that none of the concrete surrounding their building is touching the other buildings because these micro vibrations in the ground and stuff will create sound. So we're not going to be going through that obviously with our home studios, but it's interesting to know what people, what lengths these studios really go to uh, that separate the, the recording studios from the home studios. Um, so shock mount. Um, okay. These things are a great little tool to have a little isolation shield. It's what these are going to do is it's going to help reject sound from behind our microphone and it's going to help uh, keep the sound of your voice in the microphone. So if you guys don't want to buy these, Aaron and Simone, you can stick your microphone in the closet, okay? Like where your clothes are, that's going to work perfectly to get you started, okay? And then maybe later on you want to get one of these, that's great. Um, there's cheaper ones and stuff like this. And I have a video later on that I'll show you guys, or maybe I won't show you the video, but um, it's in the link to build your own little vocal booth out of PVC and like some blankets um, it's a nice little build. It's cheap. And then you get a complete vocal booth around you. Okay. Um, a mic stand headphone holder. So this I actually got from Mr. Lovo. He actually ordered these before I even ever saw them, but I bought like three of them immediately and stuck them on my microphone stands. Super helpful because what you end up doing in a home studio is for, for me, I was recording my vocals in my laundry room. Um, cause it was like the smallest little closet room that I had. And then my bedroom was where the computer was. So I was running back and forth and I don't have an audio engineer to press start and stop for me. So I was like running from one room to the other room back and forth. And if I tried to do that with headphones on my cable kept, it was just a nightmare uh, trying to deal with that. So you just can throw your headphones off, throw it on that hook. It keeps everything nice and tidy and you can run back and forth um, and so on. All right. Anyway, uh, this is a little paragraph for what you guys can just to think about when you're going to pick out your first microphone. I'll let you guys check that out on your own. All right. Uh, monitors and headphones. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because uh, we're flying through this. I know this is a lot of stuff. Um, but monitors are speakers. All right. I remember thinking, like, what are monitors? Uh, that just a, that's a fancy term for speakers. And basically, these speakers are designed to be very flat or transparent so that you get an accurate representation of what you're actually recording. Um, if you don't want to spend money on speakers right away, uh, and these are some affordable ones, like $200 a pair. There's even some that are about $100 a pair that are pretty decent. So you don't have to break the bank on them. Um, but it is very important to hear what you're recording. Because um, sometimes you'll record something, you listen to it on headphones, you're like, that's great. And you play it in your car and it sounds just terrible somehow because uh, you're not getting a full representation of what you're, you're getting. Um, so if you don't want to buy speakers right away you can start with headphones um, we'll talk about that in a second 
This is a little thing about your monitoring position. If you are going to set up monitors in your house, you want to keep them away from the wall so that the base has some room to move and breathe around them. And you want them to be equidistant from your ears, pointed right at your ears at ear level. Okay. And you want them to be an equal triangle from your listening position. All right. Um, if you're working with hip hop, you probably want to get a subwoofer, but otherwise you don't need that right away. Okay, so the main thing about headphones, which I think will be more useful to you guys, especially some of you guys just starting out, is the difference between open back headphones and closed back headphones. Um, so open back headphones have room to breathe. They, they let sound out. So it gives you a little bit better frequency response and sounds a little bit clearer, but it does let sound out of your headphones. So if you're going to be singing up close to a microphone or playing an instrument right up next to a microphone, that's going to let sound into your microphone, what we call bleed, sound bleed. So you're not going to want that. So if you're tracking something, you're going to want to use closed back headphones. So just pick yourself out a good pair of headphones and consider what you're going to be using them for. If you're going to be using them to listen more to your music that you're recording in a separate room, or if you're going to be using them to record with, just keep that in mind. I put some trusted brands down here uh, and so on. These are in-ears. I just wanted to kind of run over what these are. Because uh, you're going to see a lot of people using these and, you know, a lot of like stage performers, uh, anyone that's anyone is using these things and they actually mold these to your ear. And I just had this done. I can tell you it feels really weird. Uh, <laughs> feels really weird, but it feels even weirder when you get the headphones and you stick them in your ear and then you stick them in all the way. And then you're like, wow, this is super strange. But it um, it isolates the sound completely. You're going to not be bothered by really loud sounds around you, and you won't have any microphone bleed. So those are called in-ears. They have regular ones that aren't molded to your ear that are only about 100 bucks too. Um, so that is an option for you guys to consider. All right, especially if you're going to be playing live. All right, moving on. This is one of the most important things, all right, for any of you guys trying to get a better sound quality from your recordings. A lot of people will think, oh, my, my recordings don't sound that good. I need to get a better microphone or I need to get a better software. The softwares all sound the same. I haven't found a single audio engineer yet that can really tell me which software I used to mix something unless it uses a synthesizer or something that's specific to that uh, software, of course. But they all sound the same. They do the same thing in, as far as how it sounds. It's, and your microphones, if you get a standard industry standard microphone, that won't be the problem either. Most of the time, it's your room, okay? Um, the microphones are going to be picking up the sound that's coming from your room as well. Even if it's a dynamic microphone, you're still going to get some of it. It's going to matter a lot less if it's a dynamic microphone with that shorter pickup range. If you're using a very sensitive microphone like the condenser microphone, it's going to matter a lot more, okay? Um, so even just for your room where you're listening to music, this is a good thing to do too. Uh, so here's some different types of things you can do. And there's some really, really affordable options. You guys can make these yourselves for like probably five to $10 a panel for the super cheap ones. You can spend a little bit more money if you want to make a little bit fancier ones. So these are acoustic panels. You'll see these in every recording environment anywhere. Um, we'll talk about how to make some of those. These are called bass traps because bass frequencies will gather in the corners of your rooms. All right, so say you're practicing with your band in the garage, you're going to have like a kind of rumble and it's kind of unclear. You can't hear everything clearly. That's because there's bass frequencies building up in the corners of your room. Um, 
these things, little one by one foam panels you're going to see on Amazon and everywhere else. And people just kind of, uh, adhesive spray them to their walls and stuff. They work okay. They're not the greatest. Um, but they, they work better than nothing. And then there's diffusion. All right. Diffusion are these really super cool looking things. Uh, some of my guys in here might want to build these. They're super easy to build. And I left some resources for how to build these. And this is a quadratic, a different type of diffuser. So we're going to talk really quickly about the difference between absorption and diffusion. This is kind of science, you guys. So bear with me, uh, my younger dudes and dudettes. Um, so here's what it does. If sound is hitting this brick right here, this is going to bounce off and that's called a reflection. Absorption is going to try and absorb that sound going into it. The foam and the panels that we're going to make, those are going to try and absorb that sound or like your closet, right guys? Your clothes are going to be absorbing that sound. What a diffuser does is scatter those frequencies back out into the room. So they're not just kind of all built up and canceling each other out. Um, so they're mathematically designed for the size of your room. Okay. So you're not going to need these right away, guys. If you're just getting into recording, you just want to record your voice or an instrument. You don't need a diffuser right away, but I did want to bring up what it is. Um, so here's some do's and don'ts for treating your room. Uh, do's. If you're trying to keep sound out, uh, and keep like sound in or out air gaps, uh, usually people think more bricks or more material or more foam. Actually, air is the best sound insulator. So studios will be built with like a sometimes a foot of air gap in between their walls. Uh, and that's actually what makes the most difference, isolating their sound. Towels are a great thing to use. Towels actually work better than studio foam. And there's a video down here that shows you guys that. We're going to run out of time to watch it, but... Um, Moving blankets, you can get them at Harbor Freight. Super good thing. Rock wool. Uh, rock wool is a material you can get at uh, like Home Depot. Uh, super good. And then angled surfaces. You want to avoid square walls if you can. So put stuff in the corners of your rooms. Um, so avoid egg crates. That's like a, mis a misnomer. A lot of people think egg crates are going to be good for something. It's not really that good. Um, okay. Here's some random stuff. Um Oh my goodness. Uh, let's see. I'm going to have to kind of skip around. So here's some really cool videos, guys. Check these out when you have time. Um, this is about how to build your really cheap sound panels. And even if you're just want to make your living room sound better, Jeff, uh, <laughs> you can use these and it'll make your, your, your video game environment or anything just sound better. You're going to notice a huge difference. Um, I want to show you guys what that actually sounds like. I'm going to play I think it's one of these has, yeah, 605. Let me, let me do this sound test. Here. There are more people than ever making media content than this place. What to do is cut off the excess loose towel, and that's the panel completed. They can now be hung up like picture frames, and if you make enough of them, they can make a significant difference to the acoustics of a room. Here's an example. This is with the sound absorption panels up on the wall, and there should be less reverb in this configuration. This is without the sound absorption panels on the wall, and it should sound considerably less clean than before. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three. So, you, so, you guys uh, can catch my, my point about how important the uh, room environment is. That really makes a huge, huge difference. Um, 
I, I put up some other videos in here. This is the one about the DIY vocal booth for my singers. Um, and this video actually has some really cool stuff and some really cool ideas uh, just for studios in general. So check that one out. I was hoping I'd have time to kind of share that with you guys. But um, and this down here is resources for diffusers for any of my super geeks that want to get into building those. And these are the calculators that I found for you guys to calculate which ones you need for your room. All right. So signal chain. Just a rundown. I remember I wanted to at the beginning of this, I said, I really want to make sure you guys know how to get sound into your computer and then out of your computer at the end of this. So this is the most important summation right here. So for my voice people, anyone that's going to use a microphone, if they're using an acoustic guitar or a trumpet or a flute or whatever, a drum, it's going to go into your microphone. That microphone is going to go into your audio interface. That's going to go into your software slash your computer. Okay. And then your speakers and stuff, all your outputs for headphones and speakers come out of your audio interface. And that's how we get it all in there. That's it. It's pretty simple, really. Um, if you are using a USB microphone, that's gonna, you're going to skip this whole step. It's going to go straight in to your DAW and stuff. Um, if you're using guitars, like if you have electric guitars or a keyboard or anything that you're going to plug in, it's going to look something like this. Uh, come up to your USB interface, out to your speakers, and your computer. Same sort of thing. So you can always reference that uh, later. Okay, what do you need? So I want you guys to think about this um, before you start looking at what you're going to buy. What are you trying to record? Okay. Um, if you're trying to record a full band, you're going to need more inputs. You're going to need more types of microphones, more microphones. You're going to need a bigger space, obviously, uh, that's treated and more computing power. Okay. More CPU. Um, if you're just a singer songwriter, you're going to want at least a two-channel interface so you can record your guitar and your voice at the same time. You're going to want a vocal booth, um, and you're going to need some decent power and a, and a condenser microphone. Okay, If you're doing hip-hop and rap, a USB microphone would work, uh, or you can go the other route uh, you know, and a vocal booth and so on. You're going to definitely want a MIDI controller. If you're, if you're trying to produce music, just get that MIDI controller. It's going to be so much more fun to be able to play drum sounds and keyboard sounds into your stuff, especially if you're just trying to create music for fun. Okay. And those aren't terribly expensive and it lets you just so much, have so much more creative room to, to breathe. And if you're doing voiceover work, um, those are what you're going to need there. So here's the bare necessities. Um, these things are called an iRig and you can actually plug your electric guitar into this and straight into your computer. So no interface needed and uh, they're cheaper um, again, you're probably going to eventually want an interface. Uh, so just keep that in mind. You may be replacing this fairly quickly and this is your USB microphone setup, but this is an option to get you started. Okay. Um, and then over here you have your, uh, interface and your SM57. These are my recommendations on what I would use to get you started. Okay. Um, and I put a little thing down here. I made this so you guys can kind of prioritize if you only have so much money try and see what things generally cost now these are generalizations these are averages okay but you can kind of say all right well i can boost the price of my microphone a little bit and get a cheaper this or a little bit that um so it's just a little bit of a a grid for comparison's sake all right this is a reference i'm not even going to talk about this very much these are your different kind of cables um 
XLR is what we use for microphones. TRS and TS is what we use for like guitars and for speakers. Uh, and that's really confusing. You don't want to use a speaker cable for your guitar amp and stuff like that. You can really mess stuff up that way. So you got to really be careful and make sure you get the right one. Usually it says right on the cable itself if it's an instrument cable or if it's a speaker cable. So make sure you're using the right one for the right application. Uh, our standard eighth inch and quarter inch jacks. Um, and here's a reference. I left this link down here for you guys in case you ever really need to dig into what cable to get for something. You can check this out. All right, plugins. So plugins, what are plugins? These are the additional pieces of software uh, that let us do all kinds of fun stuff. So they are anything from keyboard voices, synth voices, other sounds um, will come in like bundles in a, in a plugin, synth, like plugin, uh, drum samples, guitar amp modelers. So basically people have made digital copies of guitar amps um, and all kinds of other things. And uh, they modeled them digitally, and then you get access to all of them right there in one plugin. Um, audio effects like reverbs and delays. So my singers out there, you, you're going to want to play around with some of those effects. Uh, you can make yourself sound like you're in a giant hall or in a tiny little room, or you can do all kinds of crazy stuff, make it sound like you're coming out of a little radio. Um, just different effects, all the different things you might hear on the radio today. Um, Audio processors like EQs, equalizers, or compression and stuff like that to help process your vocals or instruments. And then stuff like auto-tune. I'm sure we've all heard of auto-tune and pitch correction um, and those fun things. So those are also going to be in plugins. So I'm going to show you guys a real quick example before I know that we're going over just a little bit. But we got sort of a little bit of a late start, so I'm going to go ahead and show you guys this. Just want to show you what a plugin can do. This plugin is called... Uh, Isotope RX7, and they are just doing some amazing stuff. So I want you guys to see what's what they're capable of. Okay, so this first one you're going to hear with your headphones. Hopefully, you're going to hear these little pops and clicks in the audio, and this is going to just get rid of that. Music producers and music engineers, it's Curtis King, Curtis King Beats we can catch those clips and I'm going to show you how the repair process works using Isotope RX-7. Let's go a little bit further back. R.I.P. to Tommy, I got money, though I'm R.I.P. to Tommy, I got money, though I'm Oh, I love the sound of this. You don't love the sound of this. Came across this Isotope RX D-Click. And it literally saved my life. So if you go here to the presets, they have a few different presets depending on what you're actually dealing with. This one actually kills cell phone buzz. So if you have your cell phone a little bit too close to your actual microphone and you get that nasty buzz, this can actually help repair that. But That's another thing, guys, really quick for all my vocalists out there. If you guys are planning on reading your lyrics from a phone while you're recording stuff, uh, your phone is going to give a little, it's going to make a little noise in your microphone because all the electronic signals and stuff going around your microphone, so just keep that in mind. We don't want to be doing that too much, but there are programs out here that get rid of it. If you go through the presets right now and go to random clicks, and then change the sensitivity up to about seven, and then render. Look at this voodoo that's getting ready to happen thanks to Isotope RX-7. Almost forgot the name is such a damn voodoo. Listen to this. R.I.P. to Tommy, I got money though I'm jobless. Ooh, I love the sound of this. You don't love the sound of this. Honey. So 
you guys can, I don't know if you guys had the headphones on, you can probably hear those clicks just are gone. Uh, completely gone. Uh, let's go take a look at this other one. He's actually going to remove the music from the vocals or vice versa. So these softwares can actually go in, isolate your vocal track and remove it. Uh, you know, you can make your own karaoke track essentially or something like that. So let's check this out. Way before with Jubilee, back when losing wasn't nothing new to me. Back when usually life is like a ninja turtle. So what we're going to do, we're going to remove all that music in the background to the best of our ability using the RX-7 Music Rebalance. Click on Rebalance. This one, just like the last one, has its own particular presets. We're actually going to use a default, take down the other, take down the percussion, take down the bass, and then we're going to separation algorithm. We're going to do the advanced joint channel, and then we can mess around with the sensitivity in terms of, it tells you right here, actually determines how much of the input signal will be identified as voiced by the separation algorithm. We're going to leave that as is just for this example, and I'm going to show you what it can do. Let's render that. Now let's press play on this one. Way before with Jubilee, back when losing wasn't nothing new to me. Back when usually life was like a ninja turtle moving scenes winging brutally. So what I would probably do to get rid of... So you can see there's still a little tiny bit of it, but it basically got rid of all that music and just took his vocal... Uh, so for you guys out there that maybe want to take a, an artist's vocal and put it over your own track, make a remix or something, you guys can totally do that. All right. Um, so that's some cool stuff that plugins do. Real quick, I'm going to talk uh, just a couple more things. I know we're going over just a little bit here, but this is an iLock. Um, and this was something I didn't have any idea about, guys. And I was super excited. I downloaded a plugin and then I couldn't use it. And I had to wait like a week to get this iLock in the mail. Uh an iLock is a USB device that holds your licenses, all your license keys for your plugins. So they do this so that you can't just use the software illegally. But the advantage is you can go to any studio or any other computer and use that software on any other computer. So you're not limited to just downloading your software to one computer, two computers, uh, like with some other stuff. So not all software uh, requires this. So just be aware, kind of try and check to see if you need an iLock before uh, you buy something, all right? Okay, mic placement uh, techniques. So real quick, I'm just gonna show you what these guys are. Um, these are our pickup patterns, okay? A microphone pickup pattern is the pattern around the microphone that something picks up the sound, okay? So cardioid uh, is, it looks like this. Your microphone's gonna be like right here, right in the center, and it's gonna pick up stuff around it in this bubble like this. Uh, bi-directional will actually pick up sound on both sides. You can see this other diagram right next to it there. It's going to pick up micro uh, sound all the way around the microphone. So say you want to have a group of singers stand around one microphone, switch your microphone into uh, bi-directional or figure eight, as we call it, and you're going to get a good signal on all of them. Or if you're in the middle of a band or something in your garage, you can stick the microphone in the middle of the room and record everybody that way. Uh, super cardioid is going to pick up a little bit of sound behind the microphone, mostly in front. Omni is going to pick up all the way around, uh, and so on, okay? And then these are some microphone placement techniques. Um, this, this is kind of small, hard to read, but uh, X, Y, you're going to have your microphones kind of pointed at each other like this. Um, and this just diff different ones. Two car, uh, QRTF, you're going to point them out the other way. Uh, a mid-side is a good way to record guitars. 
Um, and there's tons of resources on YouTube about how to, uh, you know, do all these different microphone placement techniques. So when you get your microphone and you want to try recording your guitar for the first time, don't just stick the microphone on there and hope for the best. Look up a video or two about how to place a microphone around your guitar and go with that. All right. Start there at least. Um, here's a, a little short example of Omni versus figure eight uh, in this video here. This is a really tiny video. Oh, my goodness. All right. So this is another XY technique using the Blumline configuration. But this Figure eight. Omni. Now you hear that that image gets really narrow and the tone gets a lot darker because the Omni pickup is a darker pickup. So, you know, pretty dramatically different. And this is why I... Figure eight. Omni. Now you hear that... So you can see how much difference, uh, hopefully you can hear how much difference that makes what pickup pattern you're using. So for my vocalists and stuff like that, we're going to want to be using mostly the cardioid pickup pattern, guys. Um, right, We're going to be standing right in front of the microphone. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, when you're buying a microphone, it might say cardioid or something like that. And I put some tips here for different uh, recording different types of stuff all right so hopefully one of these applies to you guys uh my vocalists uh the closer we stand to the microphone the more bass we're gonna get in our recording the further back we stand from it the less bass we're gonna get also if you record off access like this where you're not pointed directly at your microphone you're gonna get a lot less sibilance and that's sibilance is pss, all those s sounds okay some tips for you guys uh, is mark the spot you're going to stand on the floor at the distance you're going to stand away from your microphone with some tape to make sure that every time you step up to the microphone, it's consistent. One of the biggest problems is getting a different distance or you can't hear yourself, you start to lean in and stuff like this, and you're going to get a really inconsistent tone from doing that. Um, you can also use your pop filter to kind of space yourself from the microphone and make sure you're staying at a consistent distance. All right? Um... Also, for my vocalists, make sure your room isn't too cold. That's going to be hard on your voice. And don't give them a, or don't drink cold water if you're going to be singing. You want to drink some like room temperature water. It's better for your voice. All right, some tips for recording brass. Um, so try different microphones. Uh, Mr. Lova's been recording a lot of his himself playing brass instruments, um, and he experimented with a dynamic microphone up close, as did I, versus a more sensitive microphone a little bit further away. You do probably want to be slightly off access with your brass instruments. You don't want to be pointing right at it. You're going to get a very harsh tone. So most importantly is just think about your source, no matter what the instrument is. You know, you want to try and put your ear in front of it and find out where it sounds the best. You stand right in front of a trumpet player. Uh, most people will tell you that's not the best place to listen to a trumpet player. Uh, okay. Um, and for a flute, I know I had some flute players in here, people trying to record flute. I always just put the microphone right above... Um, like if I'm playing the flute, I'm going to put the microphone just above here because I'm going to be blowing air downwards. Um, but I do kind of want it close to my head joint for the flute. 
And then for my guitar players, uh, for acoustic guitar, there's a little diagram of the kind of the sound you might want to get, uh, where you're going to point your microphones. Most people tell you point your microphone at the 12th fret. Um, like I said earlier, use your ear. If you can have somebody else play the guitar for you and just figure out where it sounds the best, put your ear down there and find out where that spot is. You really just want to trust your ears before you do anything else and find that sweet spot and put your microphone there. Every guitar is different, okay? Every instrument is different. Uh, and this, this last tip here, it seems like really uh, like duh, but use a good guitar. Use a good instrument. That's going to go for anything. Uh, start with a good instrument. If you're using a bad instrument, you're not going to be able to fix it in the recording. You want to really make sure that whatever is coming out is sounding good. Um, and when you start recording yourself, you're going to, Mr. Lobo will tell you, when you start recording yourself for the first time, you're going to be like, man, this sounds terrible. Do I sound this bad? I must sound really bad. You're going to be really hard on yourself for a little while. Um, it's okay. It's going to make you better. Okay. So you'll be, you're going to start to hear every little thing that you do wrong. Um, but the good news is you'll be able to fix it. All right. Electric guitar. Um, so tips for recording our electric guitar. You can use a flashlight to figure out where the speaker cone is and where you want to place your microphone on that speakerphone or on the cone rather. So go ahead and just place your, your flashlight right up to the cabinet here. And then you can see that speaker cone really easily and then place your microphone. Okay. Um, if you place the microphone towards the edge of the cone of the speaker, you're going to get a little bit, um, a little bit less highs, a little bit less brittle. Uh, and then if you place the mic more towards the center of the cone, it means a little bit more highs and a little bit more cut, a little more cut through your mix, okay? Um, the other thing that I found really useful when I started recording electric guitars, like I said, I'm in a metal band recording that, so that was really important for me, was uh, you can reamp them. So for any of my guitar players out there, you can get a DI box, which is a little box that you have to plug in between your guitar and your interface, okay? And that's going to allow you to record the dry signal of your guitar. You can also record the amp at the same time, but say you want to go back and fix something in your performance, you'll have that dry signal that comes from your guitar, and then you can pump that out to your guitar amp and then just record your guitar amp playing that signal, okay? Um, and that'll go back into your computer. So it lets you basically advantage of that is you can fix stuff later. Okay. It's an easy way to fix something later, or you can record it all just in the computer. And then when you're ready, you think your, your guitar takes are good. You pump it back out through your amp and into the speaker and back into your computer that way. Um, and that's a great way to do it. All right. For drums, um, here's a standard miking position for some drums. The bigger the room, the bigger the sound, the smaller the room, the smaller the sound, the tighter it, the sound will get. Uh, make sure you, you get good takes from your drummer. A lot of people think, well, I can just fix the drums later. I can't tell you, I'm the drummer myself. I can't tell you how much I wished I had just done better takes the first time around I did that. So if that means anything to you at all uh, from me, make sure you get good takes from your drummers. Um, sample your kit if you're working with a band, uh, if you're recording the band. You want to sample your drum kit in every recording session ever. They'll do this at the end of the session. They're going to have the drummer play a single hit on each item of the drum kit at different volumes. So one soft, one medium, one very loud, and they're going to record each one, let it ring out, and just save that 
so they have a record of every single sound so that if you need to fix something later you can um, and then phase so if you're recording multiple instruments at the same time or the same instrument with multiple microphones you might run into phase problems uh, and this is what in phase looks like you can see the peaks and valleys are together out of phase they're like opposite and they're actually going to be canceling each other out so you might run into that there are plugins that will just flip the phase for you and fix that no problems okay um and if anyone's doing podcasting you can use one mic or you can use a bunch of mics look at that they're using those re20s that i was talking about pretty much looks like an re20 i don't know if that's a real re20 i think they're faking it um but you can use uh different types of mic figurances you don't really need headphones for podcasts i don't know what these people are doing this is a silly picture uh all right and then i left a little thing down here for recording on your phone so there's some options if you're really just trying to like uh get some decent quality recordings on your phone again i don't recommend this but you can plug your guitar straight into your phone uh this is a little small interface by road that'll allow you to plug straight into your phone and these are some uh, apps that you can get for either uh, Android or iPhone that I found. Um, I don't use these, so I don't really have a lot of experience with these, especially now that I have a studio, of course. Why would I be using my phone? But, uh, yeah, those are there for you if that's the route you guys want to take. And that's pretty much it. I had some miscellaneous things down here that won't make any sense to you guys, but um, we ran, kind of ran out of time. But, um I'll stick around for a little bit if anyone has some questions. Otherwise, that's all I, I have for you guys um, here. I hope this was informative and you guys got something out of it. And thank you for joining me. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you. You're very welcome. Lots of information, yeah. I, I know, yeah. Really good. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that's good stuff. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. That was really good. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you. I wish I had it four years ago, probably though. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> it's what I learned. It's what I learned in the past four years. Put it that way. Yeah. Thank you. That's same. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining me, Dennis. Bye bye. Bye now. And everyone, I will send a follow-up email with this, um, with the same PDF. Also. Uh, with more information if you guys have any questions right now please ask uh, i know sean has plenty of information in his head that he didn't even go through this i know there's a lot of there's a lot of information on that pdf and that doesn't even scratch the surface really so this is all just the basic 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 stuff and it's still a lot of information so if you have any questions feel free to email me email uh, mr Carmer, um or just ask right now if, if anybody you guys are, are wondering any more information Sean, can I ask yeah. a question? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, um, what what brand would you recommend for a um, a two to four channel interface? Um, I know you talked about it, but you didn't really talk about brands. Um, I guess maybe what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to do the, the you know just creating some beats just for fun. So, I mean, I have a um, MIDI control and speakers, but I don't have the interface. So, I just want to get your opinion on uh, brands and. Yeah, so the one that I included in the notes there, I actually I tried to make sure that the pictures of any of the equipment that I put in the PDF were things that I would recommend. Um, that little PreSonus, I don't have one of those. My buddy has one of those, and he really likes it. Um, so that's a good one. Um, and the Sapphire, uh, that's the... Uh, 
Sapphire, what was it? Where did my notes go? Uh, focus right. The yeah, the focus right. Thank you. Could not think of focus right. That's the brand that okay. I have. Um, those are the ones that I use. Um, there are cheaper ones out there. I just recently got a little, uh, this little guy, little four channel. Where is it? Yeah, a little four channel Behringer. So um, Behringers are cheaper because they are like Guitar Center's brand now. They got bought by Guitar Center. Um, okay. And they had they had kind of a bad reputation almost for a little while. But I got to say, anything I've tried by them in the last five years has been pretty great, uh, really solid. So they've really stepped up their game. I think when they got bought out, uh, the quality control went up instead of down, which was a great thing. Um, so a solid little device. This thing I don't think was much more than 100 bucks or so. And this is a four-channel, and you get uh, the MIDI outputs and everything on that as well. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johanna, did you have a question? Uh, yeah. Wait, sorry. Um, I actually had a question about, um, like, audio bundles on Amazon. So mm-hmm. would you recommend just buying a bundle, or would you? do you think it's better to just pick and choose what you buy individually? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, let me do a little, I'm going to do a quick search here, like audio bundle Amazon and just see what pops up here. So for me, now that I know what I like and know what I want, and I already have some pieces, I obviously would recommend, you know, like for Jeff, who just mentioned he had, already had some of the pieces probably. Um, obviously, you want to be picking piece by piece. But if you're just getting started, um, I think it's a great way to go with a little bundle because it's going to make sure you have pretty much everything you need. But I, you have to be careful about picking the right one. Um, mm-hmm. Let me see. I'm trying to find – here, audio interface bundle. There we go. So let's see. Let's see. What am I finding here? So the Scarlet um, – this Focusrite Scarlet – 2i2 studio third generation i see that's like 270 here look at this this is the two it's basically the two interfaces that i recommended we got the presonus and the focus right are the main results that pop up here i don't know if that's tailored to me because of what i've been looking up but um those are going to be fine i think to start with it looks like the headphones hmm i'm trying to see if these headphones are open back um the main thing, like I said, check with your the headphones you get with it. Uh, if they're open back, you're not going to want to be standing up close to that sensitive microphone recording with it because um, of the bleed that you're going to get. So it looks like they might be closed back even, and they're going to be decent quality. Um, you know, I, I always joke around, like, don't buy Beats headphones and stuff. People always talk about buying Beats headphones, but I'm, I'm using them. But I got these for free, to be honest with you. But any decent pair of headphones um, will be fine for recording. As long as they're closed back, if you're going to be up next to that microphone. Um, I think this is a great way to start, honestly. This bundle, I, I wouldn't discourage you from buying the bundle. Um, but you are still going to need a couple things. I would look at the page in, in the notes about the microphone accessories. Um, it doesn't look like it comes with a pop filter uh, or even a microphone stand. So you're going to want to buy those things with that bundle. And then later on, you can upgrade your microphone um but i mean we're talking about like if you were going to buy the microphone separately you'd probably be wanting to spend 
a good another 200 to $400 on the microphone on its own. So this will definitely get you started and it won't hurt you to have another microphone in your collection later on after you replace it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I guess to sum up your the answer there, I, I recommend the bundle. It's not a bad way to go. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and then also I was going to uh, ask if you personally record like um, artists. I don't know if it's. Um, is my mic on? Is yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. It was just cutting out. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, I was just asking, do you personally record artists in your studio? Yes. Um, I mean, yes and no. My, my studio right now is a home studio. <laughs> so right now it's a little tough with, with everything going on, of course. So I haven't been working with any artists in my home. Um, the studio that I have currently, my only remote location studio, uh, we do record there, but it's it's a, it's like a studio slash rehearsal space for my personal bands. Um, so it's possible to record in there. Um, so yes, I do work with artists, um, but I don't have like a, a studio currently. I used to have a nice big studio. We actually had to move out of there uh, due to issues <laughs> with the tenant owners, the owners of the building and stuff. But um, I haven't had my own like actual recording studio in the last couple of years. But yes, I do work with artists and I am open to working with artists, of course, if that's something you're interested in. All right, cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, feel free to email me about any questions uh, about that or anything at all. Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. I asked a real quick question about the the workstations. Um, I know you said the Pro Tools Tools first is free. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's GarageBand is a free resource. Uh, among those real low budget ones, what would be the advantage of one over another or the, the free ones really? The free ones. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. much either free or expensive. So yeah. <laughs> there's no middle ground, unfortunately. Um, so, all right, let's see, let's go back to, so the advantages of the, there's the two that I don't use and actually people really like those two as well. So I don't want you to count those out. Uh, the advantages of the waveform and the cakewalk is that there's no, limit on your tracks i believe um so the waveform people kind of mentioned that the uh the workflow was a little unconventional if you're not used to any other softwares yet that won't really be a big deal for you for the waveform but if you think you're going to want to switch from like one of these free ones to a bigger better one maybe someday later you may want to start with the cakewalk one instead because it seems to have a little more of the same sort of workflow uh, as the rest, as the other ones. Um, let's see. What are the other advantages and disadvantages of these? Um, so the, I actually like the Cakewalk one because it supports v, uh, VSTs. I'm not even sure Pro Tools first. No. So Pro Tools first doesn't even support VST plugins. VST is a virtual instrument. Uh, it's a type of plugin. Um, so a lot of the, most plugins are VSTs, instrument ones anyway. Uh, so like in Pro Tools first, you can't even use those. So that's kind of annoying there. Um, and like I said, Pro Tools first is kind of user unfriendly um, just because Pro Tools is user unfriendly. I kind of equate it to like Photoshop. If you've ever used Photoshop, you kind of open it up and you're just like, what do I even do with this? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that helps. Um, 
All right. So it sounds like Cakewalk is your recommendation among those. I uh, I would try it out. And you know what? You let me please let me know uh, if you try it out if you like it because like I said I haven't tried that one. Okay. Um, yeah, I recommended the other two just because that's I'm I came from using the pro versions right off the bat. I actually bought a studio yeah. computer when I first got into recording. I bought a computer from somebody in LA that was selling a bunch of their studio computers and it just came loaded with all of the software. So I kind of lucked out. Um, I didn't have to, you know, try and pick and choose my way through it. So I, I kind of just went straight to those. Um, but yeah, cool. I, it looks like the, uh, the cakewalk doesn't have the limits of the, the other ones there. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate all your time and all your insight. Yeah, no problem. All right. Take care. You too. Thanks, Jim. Bye. Thank you again.